Truth shall make you free. I like that. As a matter of fact, um, I think I'm changing the title to my sermon to The Truth Shall Make You Free. So it's no longer the freedom from tyranny. It's The Truth Shall Make You Free because I just like that better. Our scripture for today comes from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and then beginning in verse 13 through 18. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Lived by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. This is the word of the Lord. There's a popular story going around about a husband and wife who are discussing their living wills. And the husband is very adamant about his desires. Just so you know, he says, I would never want to live in a vegetative state dependent on some machine and fluids from a bottle. If I ever get to a state like that, I just want you to pull the plug. So his wife thought about that for just a few moments, and then she got up and unplugged the TV and threw out all of his beer. (laughs) Some of us probably know somebody who is in in that kind of vegetative state. But today we want to talk about the opposite of that. We want to talk about freedom and the meaning of life. This week we celebrate our nation's independence, as well we should, because what a precious gift that is. In the book titled My America, news reporter Lucy Yang tells about her family's immigration to the United States when she was only two years old. She says that her parents came here looking for opportunities that they could never find in their native land of Taiwan. And so Yang is sensitive to the sacrifices that many immigrants make in order to come to this nation. She tells about a ship called the Golden Venture that came too close to the shore in 1993 and ran aground just off the coast of far Rockaway, New York. The ship was filled with 286 desperate people from the Fujian province of China. These men and women had literally sold their souls for a chance here in America, agreeing to a smuggler's ransom. They knew that the the sun would never go down, never set on their working days before their debt was extinguished. But they also believed that the sun would rise anew for their children. And so it was worth the sacrifice. But the captain of the ship, who was afraid of getting caught when the ship ran aground, began pushing his passengers overboard into the ocean. Just within sight of their promised land, these 
desperate would-be immigrants and their, saw their dreams vanish in the waves. Ten of them drowned. Most of the others were captured and imprisoned for years while awaiting political asylum. Others were deported. And in the end, only 52 were granted asylum and allowed to stay. Yes, my friends, there is no greater gift under heaven than the gift of freedom. And people are willing to make great sacrifices and even risk their lives in order to obtain that freedom. And so for those of us who who have this freedom as a normal part of our lives, we should never take that freedom for granted. And I'm talking here both of our political freedom and of our freedom in Jesus Christ. The fact is that freedom comes in many forms, doesn't it? Radio commentator Paul Harvey once told the story about a a group of scientists who had determined to to teach a a chimpanzee how to write. And for 14 long years, these scientists labored diligently and patiently with this chimpanzee providing things in its cage and and syllables of of words and symbols to enable the the chimpanzee to form syllables and sentences. And finally, after all of this time, the, the day arrived when it seemed that the chimpanzee was actually going to to construct a sentence with these syllables or with these symbols. Word went out. Other scientists crowded into the room. They gathered together around the cage watching. All of these scientists could hardly contain themselves with the anticipation as they pressed around the cage to to read the history-making sentence, the first that a chimpanzee has ever constructed. And here's what the chimpanzee said. Let me out. Let me out. Nobody wants to live in a cave, a, a cage. Nobody wants to live hooked up to machines, or even if that machine is a TV set. We want to be free. So let me ask you something. If I told you that beginning today, you could be freer than you have ever been before, would that interest you? In our lesson from Galatians, Paul writes, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In other words, freedom is God's will for our lives. Freedom from tyranny, all kinds of tyranny. God wants us to be free. And there were two kinds of tyranny that Paul deals with here in the fifth chapter of Galatians. The first kind of tyranny is the tyranny of bad religion. Seems that Paul was at odds with the circumcision party or the so-called Judaizers. These were a group of Jews who had become Christians and they wanted to embrace their newfound faith, but they also wanted to preserve the traditions of their ancestors. They wanted to maintain the ceremonial laws and rituals that had come down from Moses. And even more important, 
They wanted to force their views on all other Christians. And so they insisted on circumcision of all males as a requirement to become a Christian. Now, this was not much of an issue while Christianity was mostly a Jewish phenomenon. But when Peter and Paul began offering the good news of Jesus Christ to Gentiles, this became a major issue. Because Gentiles did not want to be restricted with the, with the restraints of Jewish tradition. That's not what they signed on for. And so, in defense of his Gentile brothers and sisters, Paul wanted to make a clean break from the past. He wanted people to know that Christianity was a matter of the inner spirit and not the outer flesh. Because Paul knew that elevating tradition over Christian love and acceptance was not what Jesus had in mind for his followers. And unfortunately, that's still a constant temptation for many people in the church even today. Elevating tradition over Christian love and acceptance. The Reverend Adrian Dealman tells about a a Sunday service at a church in New York City. seems that just before the service was to begin, the ushers noticed that there was a man sitting in the service wearing a hat on the front row. And so an usher moved to the man's pew and, and leaned in and very discreetly asked the man to remove his hat. But the man replied that he would not. And so the head usher was called into service and he made the same request of the man and, re and he received the same answer. The man's not going to remove his hat. Well, about that time, the president of the women's group arrived and was asked for her assistance, but she had the same dismal result. And, and finally, with only two minutes before the beginning of the, of the service, before the opening hymn, the chairman of the deacons was summoned. And so he tiptoed up beside the man. He actually tried to grab the hat off the man's head, but the man dodged him. And there was no time for further attempts. And, and then the opening hymn began and the procession entered the church. And the man stood and removed his hat and did not put it on again. At the conclusion of the service, the four frustrated church leaders waited for the man at the back of the church Chairman of the deacons approached him and said, Sir, about the hat, perhaps you don't understand, but in our church, men don't wear hats in worship. And so the man replied, Oh, but I do understand. I've been a part of this denomination for all of my life, and as a matter of fact, I have been coming to this church regularly for over two years now, and I've never met a soul. But this morning... I've met an usher, the head usher, the president of the women's group, and the chairman of the deacons. Thank you very much. It seems that the leaders of that church were more concerned about tradition. Men do not wear hats in worship than they were about welcoming a stranger into their congregation. That's bad religion. That's elevating tradition over sensitivity to people. And I believe that Jesus Christ wants to set us free from the tyranny 
of that kind of religion. We need to be free to love others, whether they follow our tradition or not. Whether they they wear hats or not, we need to be free to follow Christ's example of love and acceptance of everyone. But even worse than the tyranny of bad religion, there is the tyranny of sin. Paul continues to write and says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. Rather, use it to serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring one another, watch out or you will be be destroyed by one another. And so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. For your sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is contrary to your sinful nature. They're in conflict with one another so that you do not do what you want. Some of the new Christians in Paul's day had been pagan Gentiles before they began following Jesus Christ. And they also wanted to hold on to some of their traditions after baptism. But some of their traditions included some sinful habits that were not conducive to the lifestyle of a follower of Jesus Christ. And Paul rightly saw that there was no slavery that's more odious than the slavery to sin. And it is true that oftentimes our actions can hold us in bondage. If you don't believe me, just ask someone who is addicted to drugs or alcohol or some other destructive habit. Many folks will go to desperate measures for a fix. The monkey on my back is what heroin addicts call their addiction. A habit that grows to the point that it nearly squeezes the life out of them But Christ wants us to be free. An army chaplain tells a story about reaching a young man just before he died on the battlefield. It was evident that he, as he held the boy's hand, that this young soldier had been mortally wounded. These were the last moments of his life. And so the chaplain tried to console the young man as best he could. Son, he said... Is there anything I can do for you? The soldier said as the memories of his life passed before his eyes, No, sir. What I need right now is someone who can undo some of the things that I've done. How sad it is when we look back over our lives and see so many things that we wish we could undo. Mae West once said, I used to be snow white, but I drifted. (laughs) Maybe you too have drifted. Maybe there are some things in your life that you regret. We all have them. Some minor things, some major things. You remember John Wayne Gacy? 
During the day, he worked as a clown, bringing joy and laughter to hundreds of children around Chicago. But at night, he was a cold-blooded killer, murdering over 32, at least 32, young teenage boys. One day, there was a knock at his door, and there was the police. And when Gacy opened the door, his first comment was, Thank God you have come. You see, Gacy couldn't bear to live with the dark secrets of his life any, anymore. And for him, it was a relief to confess. And so you see, my friends, we can be slaves to, to bad religion and we can be slaves to our sinful nature. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because here's the good news for today, my friends. Christ has come to set us Free. But what does that mean? What is freedom? Well, according to Paul, freedom is a life that is lived in the Spirit of Christ. He continues to write that the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And since we live by the Spirit of God, he says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You see what Paul is doing here? He's inviting his readers to a new way of life. He is inviting them and us to experience a newness of life that the world cannot know. A life that is free from that same old rat race that we've been running and free to be lived in the spirit of Jesus Christ. You may know what that rat race is all about. Dr. Fred Craddock tells about visiting in the home of one of his former students. And after dinner, the young parents excused themselves and hustled the kids off to bed, leaving Fred sitting in the living room alone with the family pet, a large beautiful, sleek greyhound. Earlier in the evening, Fred had watched as the kids rolled on the floor playing with the family dog. That's a full-blooded greyhound there, the father told Fred. He once raced professionally down in Florida. Then we got him, and he's great with the kids. Well, sitting there with the dog, and Fred Craddock, with his tongue firmly placed in his cheek, swears that this is true, Somehow, I doubt it, but he swears it's true. He says the dog turned to him and asked, So, is this your first visit to Connecticut? And undaunted by the talking dog, Fred answered, No, I went to school here many, many years ago. Then the greyhound said, Well, I guess you heard that I'm from Miami. Oh, yeah. You retired, Fred asked. No. Is that what they told you, replied the greyhound? No, I didn't retire. I'll tell you. I spent ten years as a professional racing greyhound, and that means ten years of running around that track day after day, seven days a week with other dogs chasing that rabbit. Well, one day I got really fast, and I got close, and I got a good look at that rabbit, and it was a fake. I had spent... My whole life chasing a fake rabbit. So, hey, I didn't retire. 
I quit. Is that how you feel about your life? That you've been chasing a fake rabbit all this time? Then isn't it time you gave yourself to something more? Something more fulfilling? Something freeing, liberating? Well, let me tell you something, folks. There are millions of people in our world who will tell you that they are bored to tears with their life. And their lives have no meaning and no significance. But let me tell you what the ultimate meaning to life is. Love God. Serve God faithfully. And love your neighbor. Find some kind of meaningful avenues of service to others. And that's it. It's as simple as that. That's the meaning of life. Paul said that we should use our freedom to serve one another in love. He says that the entire law is summed up in this single commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a simple formula, really. But if you adopt this formula as the driving philosophy of your life, then I promise you that it will enrich your life immeasurably. And perhaps for the first time in your life, you'll discover what true freedom is really all about. True freedom is not about the constraints of tradition. True freedom is about Free, freely and lovingly giving ourselves in love for others. So it's my prayer today that each of us here would be free to love. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. It's number 310, Out of My Bondage, Sorrow, and Night. And this is an opportunity for you to respond to the moving of God's Holy Spirit in your life. Some of you may resonate with what I've been talking about today. You may feel that you have spent much of your life in bondage to something or another. Perhaps it's bad religion or, or uh, your sinful nature. We've all been there. We know. And to a certain extent, we're all there even now because we're human beings. But thank goodness that God is a forgiving God and a loving God. And God wants to, to free us from our bondage so that we can be free to love others and to love the Lord. If this resonates with you in any way today, we invite you to make a commitment to Jesus Christ and to allow the love of Christ to fill your heart so that you may be free to love others. We invite you to make that commitment today as we sing our hymn of response, or perhaps you're looking for a church family to be a part of. We invite you to unite with us today as we sing together number 310, Out of Our Bondage, Sorrow, and Night. Would you come?
Thank you so much. Be seated for just a moment. You see in your worship folder that uh, we've come to that part of their service where we will be commissioning the mission team that would be going to eastern Kentucky in Nada, Kentucky. So I'd like to invite all of those who are going to uh, on a mission trip to eastern Kentucky to come forward right now. Y'all come on down here. Come on down. I know that some people are not here, uh, but for those who are going, if you could just kind of line up in the front right here. They're still coming. I feel like Billy Graham. Yes, you may come from the balconies. Come from the... (laughs) We will wait. (laughs) Uh, These are your missionaries, uh, church. These are your missionaries to eastern Kentucky. We are going to Nada, Kentucky, which is a little community of about 200 people. uh, And there's much poverty in that area. This is working with uh, the Partners in Hope program, which has targeted the 20 poorest counties in the United States. And where we are going is one of those 20. Uh, We will be doing some construction work, repairing homes. There are some homes that are in terrible condition. Uh, People are living in, in dire poverty and in terrible condition. And we will be repairing some of those homes We'll be working with their group of youth there. Uh, They have about 20 or so youth, and we'll be doing some activities with them as well and teaching some Bible and and things like that. So we are off on an important and important work uh, beginning on Tuesday. And so we are here to commission them. We are here for the church to offer blessings on these missionaries and for these missionaries to commit themselves to the work ahead and for you, the church, to com- to commit yourself to praying for these. You have inserted in your worship folder the commissioning service, which is a, a responsive reading. So I invite you to to read responsibly. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you. To be open-handed toward your brothers and towards the poor and needy in your land. Go, sell all your possessions and give to the poor. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did also for me. Mission team, you have been called to work among these less fortunate. You will be leaving your comfort zone to work in conditions that are less than ideal. You will be hot and sweaty as the temperature and humidity climb. And you will go to bed bone tired after a long and hard day's work. You may have times of frustration when things just don't go as planned. Are you committed to putting these things aside and trusting in God's hand to bear you up?
You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men and women that they may see your good deeds and praise your God in heaven. As you work this week, there is something more than planning, directing, laboring, and even enjoying recreation that you must do. That is to show God's love as you bring light to individuals and homes where there is little hope. Are you committed to let your light shine in Nada, Kentucky this week? As your church, we want to be a part of your mission. We will pray for you. We will pray that God will bless your work. God will give you the strength, wisdom, and endurance you will need to keep your commitment. We will pray that you will be energized for the work ahead of you. We will pray for the residents of the area, that they will be open and receptive to your ministry. We will continue to lift you up in prayer this week, for in doing this, we have a part in your mission. I'll ask John Cornelius, our chairman of deacons, to offer the commissioning prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you with grateful hearts. These men, women, and children that stand before us committed to do your work in native Kentucky. We pray that you bless them. We know that you'll go with them. May they be blessed by their endeavors and touched by those they touch. May we minister to each other. We pray that you give them safe passage to and back. And we look forward for their experiences to share with us once they return. We thank you for your love, your grace, the leadership of your spirit. In these things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.